Hello, friend. I'm Michael McCurry, and you're listening to the Bible Tract Echoes radio broadcast. And I'm very thankful that you are. Thank you for being a part of our listening family today. This week on the broadcast, I'm looking forward to sharing with you the third of three components of a good Christian. Friend, I want to be a good Christian, and I'm sure you do as well. If you missed the previous two, we're going to recap very quickly. But if you'd like the in-depth, the nitty-gritty Bible study that we've been kind of just slowly, methodically going through the last two weeks, then you can find the podcast, the archived version of this broadcast on your favorite podcast player. Just search for Bible Tract Echoes. You can also watch the video version on YouTube and Facebook. We would love for you to join us in those ways as well. I'm going to ask you to grab your Bible. We will begin in the book of Philippians. I hope, I hope you'll grab your Bible. Now, understand if you're busy, if you're just kind of using this radio broadcast during found time, you're not able to tune in with your full attention, I'm still glad you're a part. Maybe, just maybe, something that's said today will still grab you. Thank you so much for your investment of time in listening today. We will begin in the book of Philippians. Before we do that, though, let me tell you about this gospel tract. It's called What God Wants Everyone to Know. This gospel tract, it's colorful, it's pleasing on the eyes, but it also gives a clear presentation of the gospel. It begins with one of the most famous verses in all the world. John 3.16 says this, For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son, that whosoever believeth in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. There are some things that God wants everyone to know. What about these questions? Who is God? Where did you and I come from? Why must we die? These are heavy questions, but these are questions that this gospel track right here does a great job of answering. I'm going to ask you to consider going to our website, BibleTracksInc.org. As always, this gospel track that I'm holding in my hand, it's free as the Lord provides. We'd love it if you'd go to our website and avail yourself of this opportunity, BibleTracksInc.org today. We will begin in the book of Philippians in just one moment. Let me give you some uh, an introduction, a short introduction to where we are today. You see, we've been talking about three ingredients of a good Christian. Three ingredients of a good Christian. We began with the amen, the spirit of agreement. We all should have the spirit of the amen, the spirit of agreement. Webster's 1828 dictionary defines the word amen as a verb. It signifies to confirm, establish, verify, to trust, or give confidence as a noun, truth, firmness, trust, confidence. How about as an adjective? It's firm. It's stable. It is used at the beginning, but more generally at the end of declarations and prayers in the sense of be it firm, be it established, or even so be it. I hope you can say, so be it, to what we will talk about today. We began with the spirit of the amen, uh, maybe two weeks ago now. We talked about the mandate. We talked about the method. We talked about the mindset, the magnitude, all these things. And then we talked about some reasons why you might not be in agreement 
with what the Bible says. It may be a concentration issue, a coldness, or even a callousness issue. I hope it's none of those things. Then we talked about the altar. The second ingredient is the altar, the willingness to make adjustments. I'm not just talking about that physical location down at the front of your local church. I'm talking about the willingness in our heart of hearts and in our mind to be willing to make adjustments when God's word does speak with us. You see, it's one thing to say that you agree with what the Bible says. It's one thing to say amen, but it's a whole other thing to be willing to make an adjustment. What is the altar. Well, the altar is a place to start. We looked at Genesis chapter 8, and when Noah, he got off that ark, what did he do first? Did he plant crops? Did he build a house? Did he put fences up to control the animals that were on the ark? What did he do? He built an altar to start with. The altar is a place to start. The altar requires sacrifice adjusting to what God wants you to do in your life and in mine. Oftentimes, it means giving up some things that could be near and dear to our hearts. But can I tell you, he, Christ, God, has never been slack concerning his promises, as some men count slackness. But no, he gives to us exceedingly abundantly above all that we could ask or think. When we are willing to start at an altar and sacrifice at an altar what he requires of us, Friend, oh my, he pays back, he gives back so much more bountifully than we could imagine. The altar is a place to start. The altar requires sacrifice. The altar is sanctified. It's a special place. The altar is not a sacrament. It's not this ritualistic thing that we do. It's not now I lay me down to sleep. I pray the Lord my soul to keep. No, it's not just a cliche. The altar is something that we should consider. I'm using it figuratively. We should consider the, the opportunity that God gives us to make adjustments day by day by day. I can tell you this, friend. I haven't reached sinless perfection and I never will. And to God be the glory, he still speaks to me. And if you let him, he will still speak to you as well. The altar is not a sacrament. The altar is a place of substitution. I'm so very glad for the fact that Jesus Christ was willing to die in our place. We talked about Abraham and his son Isaac. And as Abraham raised that instrument of death, that knife up above his head, and was beginning almost to bring it down, the angel of the Lord said, Hold on, hold on just a moment, Abraham. I see your faith. And look over there. You didn't even see it yet, but there's a ram caught in the thicket. And that ram gave his life. I think about that. Think of that mountain like a triangle and up one side comes Abraham and Isaac. And Isaac asked, God, asked Abraham, I see the wood. I see everything we need for a sacrifice, but I don't see the lamb. And Abraham, as they walked up that side of the mountain, said, God will provide himself a lamb. And on the other side of the mountain, very likely, was a ram led by God right to the precise place to save Isaac's life. And you think back to some 2,000 years ago when Jesus Christ walked up another mountain for you and for me. Oh my, the altar is a place of substitution. I'm very thankful for it. The altar oftentimes must be solitary. When God speaks to you about adjustments that you must make in your life, He's speaking to you. Sometimes we want to serve God as a group. 
We want to serve God as a church. Can I tell you, revivals don't start in churches. Revivals don't start in families. Revivals don't start in nations. They begin at altars of men's hearts, individual, singular men's hearts. Revival has always begun with a single man, a single woman that's willing to get so utterly right with God and so utterly cleansed from sin and so in tune with the Holy Spirit of God that God says, I want to meet with that one in a special way. The altar is often solitary. The altar can be a place of song. It's a place of significance. The altar is sustained. Of course, the altar represents adjustment. There are some reasons, though, you might not use the altar. Maybe it's because you think you are faultless. I hope that's not the case. Maybe you are faithless. Can I tell you, we serve a great God that loves you so very much. Please, if you don't know him today, I'd love to introduce him to you. Maybe something that I've said makes you think, this guy on the radio is... Uh, he, he's talking about someone I don't know. He's referencing some things I'd like to know more about. If I died right now, I, I don't know where I'm going. I, I think this person, he's talking about Jesus Christ. I think maybe, just maybe, I'd like to be introduced to that one. Friend, I'd love to talk to you. Did you know you can reach out to me directly? You can actually contact me directly. You can text me. Right now, you can use your phone, grab it, pull it out, and text me at this phone number. Are you ready? 309-316-7240. I'll give it to you one more time. 309-316-7240. Why won't you use the altar? Maybe it's because you're faultless, you're faithless. Maybe you're forgetful of the good things he's done for you. Maybe, just maybe, I hope this isn't the case, but maybe we can be foolish sometimes. We don't realize that God has commanded us to use the altar. We've looked at two ingredients. We've just recapped them. The spirit of the amen, the willingness to say, I agree with what God says. How about this? The altar, the willingness to make adjustments. And now we begin with Philippians chapter 4, verse number 6. We're going to look at the act or the action. We've agreed. We've adjusted. Now it's time to put pedal to the metal, rubber to the road, and say, I'm willing to, to, to take action on behalf of what God wants me to do. What acts, what actions am I talking about? We'll begin with just one today. Philippians 4 verse 6, be careful for nothing, but in everything, but in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving. Let your requests be made known unto God. I'm so glad we can agree with what God says. I'm so glad we can adjust to what God says, but sometimes he gives us commands to take action, and prayer is one of the most powerful actions any Christian could make. I can tell you this, friend, you cannot be, I can say unequivocally, you cannot be a good Christian if your prayer life is anemic. I'll say it again. You can't be a good Christian if your prayer life is anemic. These are ingredients of a good Christian. Acts chapter 12, verse 5, Peter, therefore, was kept in prison, but prayer was made without ceasing of the church unto God for him. And you know what happened? Peter, by God's power and grace, was released from prison there in Acts chapter 12. Can I leave you with this question? We'll, we'll pick this up tomorrow, but 
How much do you want God? How much do you want him to impact your life, to control your life, to be king of your life? I was recently, actually right now, at a summer camp and had the opportunity to minister, to preach there, do some fun stuff, lead singing, all of that. But the theme this year at the Common Ground Baptist Camp in Butler, PA, where I'm at right now, the theme this year was no king but King Jesus. No king but King Jesus. Can you say that for your life? How much do you want God? I'm going to ask you to continue to be a part of this broadcast. We have one last ingredient to cover here, the actions of a good Christian. My prayer is that you have a great day for his glory. Join us tomorrow. God bless. Thank you for joining us today for Bible Track Echoes, a ministry of Bible Tracks Incorporated. If you would like to receive a free sample booklet of all of our tracks, you can contact us by calling 309-828-6888. That's 309-828-6888. Our mailing address is P.O. Box 130, Dwight, Illinois, 60420. A faster way to contact us is to go to our website at BibleTracksInc.org. That's BibleTracksInc.org. There you will find more information about our ministry and details on how you can support Bible Tracks Incorporated. Thanks for listening, and may the Lord richly bless you as you serve Him.